Why don't you guys just grab a seat where you're at? We're just going to stay in this atmosphere. I, I feel like there's something important that as I was praying this week that I really felt like it was more of a a right now word, a prophetic word uh, for us. I'm gonna, I don't have much time to speak, but I don't think the Holy Spirit needs a lot of time to do what he needs to do today because he can do what we can't do, right? And so I just wanna set this up by asking you a question. If, if you had a choice, two options before you, two options. If you could choose to live in a desert with barely enough food to survive, I mean, you had enough, but it wasn't, it wasn't that great, barely what you needed. Or you could live in a beautiful place that was abundant, had lush gardens, had plenty. How many of you guys would choose option number one? Anybody option number one? Some people in a desert? Okay, some people are beach people, I don't know. Uh, no, I'm talking about a desert, like no water. I mean, nothing, right? I think most of us would choose the lush gardens of abundance where there's fruit and there's options and there's plenty and there's abundance. But the Israelites, when they had an opportunity to be free, they chose to stay in a desert and to wander around in the desert. And they chose to, you know, God supplied manna, which wasn't, I mean, it wasn't a lot of variety. It was just the same thing every day. Every day, every day. And the Israelites literally chose to settle, even though they were nomadic, they settled for the wilderness and for the desert for 40 years, barely getting by. There's been something rising up in me the last, I don't know, I don't even know how long to quantify it, but where I've just despised the word settle. How many of you guys don't like that word? I, I don't like the word settle. Like, because settle is like halfway. Settle is, is barely enough. Settle is a missed opportunity. Whenever we get through into a point of our life and we just decide, you know, it's not worth fighting for. Let's just settle for this. Let's just settle. And I've really come to despise the word settle. Because I've wondered just in my own life, and some of you guys will just identify this with this, I've wondered in my own life how many missed opportunities I've had in my life I've wondered how many times have I just settled for less than God's best? How many times have I gone halfway? How many times did I have an opportunity to live in a place of abundance, but I just settled for the desert, for the available, for the in front of me, for the convenient, for the easy, for the comfortable, and for the familiar? And then I go and I read these scriptures like I read on my sabbatical, and I read Psalm chapter 107, in Psalm 107, if you go towards the end of the chapter, verse 35, it says this. He turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water. And there he lets the hungry dwell, and they establish a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. You realize that God wants to turn your deserts into pools of water, into springs of water? Some of you guys are going to have to have eyes to see and ears to hear this morning what God wants to do in your life. What I'm going to speak out is, a, is an appointed time by God right now for you to be here, for your spirit to respond by opening up the door. But I'm telling you, God wants to take your desert and he wants to turn it into a spring. He wants to take that dry place and he wants to put it into springs of life. But not if you're okay with the desert. 
Not if you settle. God wants to do something so much bigger in our lives, but not if we settle for the desert. God's desire is not for us to settle. How many of you guys agree with that? See, I think about it weird ways. I, I mean, God just works weird, or maybe I'm just weird, okay? He just made me, I don't know. But I, I just think of it as like garage sale faith. How many of you guys are like classic garage sale people? I mean, you go after the garage sales, just, just bold and proud. Yeah, we, I mean, we have a whole strategy when we go to garage sales. I mean, we're intent, I mean, I, I have this drive-by strategy where I can look and see what's in the garage sale just within about 1.5 seconds. It annoys Becca like crazy, but I can drive by, and I don't know if it's a gift of discernment or what, but I'm like, I'm just seeing what's in there. It's not a good one. Let's just keep going, you know? But I got this from my grandma because my grandma was a big garage sale person. And uh, when we were kids, we didn't have a lot. And so we would go to garage sales all the time. And my mom would go with my, my grandma, with her mom, and she would take us along with us. And I, I remember this one time, and I've shared this before. It's probably because it's a deep wound in my life that I'm just sharing with you guys. But uh, for some reason, we're out at the garage sale, and when you're a kid, you just don't have options. You just have to take whatever comes your way. And so uh, for whatever reason, uh, my grandma went to this garage sale and bought underwear for me <laughs> at the garage sale. It wasn't in a package, people. It was, <laughs> it was actually used underwear. And when you're a kid, you don't have an option. You just have to do whatever, you know? And so two things come to mind. What kind of person would go to a garage sale and buy used underwear? <laughs> the second thing is, what kind of person would sell their used underwear at a garage sale? I don't understand this philosophy at all. And it's just settle. And so there, I mean, as a kid, you just have to settle for whatever you get. And that's about as bad as it gets. That's really about as bad as it gets. <laughs> but I call that garage sale faith. When we just settle for used, for barely good enough, for this is going to be fine. And when we do that in our life, it doesn't look, I mean, on the surface, we cover it up fine, but it's no less ridiculous. Because God has so much better for us than what we settle for. And some of you right now, I'm, t I'm telling you, some of you right now in your life, you feel totally unsettled. You feel like your life isn't settled. You're like, Sean, I'm not settling for, I don't feel settled at all. I feel like something is wrong. My life feels unsettled. Why is that? And we, and we have these warning lights all the time going off in our life. You know, we'll have warning lights from God's word in our life. We'll have warning lights from a, a message that we hear or from a word that God gives someone else to share with us. We have these warning lights. And how many of you guys end up blowing through the warning lights many times? I've blown through many flashing red lights just because I wanted to make some normalcy out of my life. I didn't, I was unsettled. And in God, as we try to put our feet down, here's what happens. Whenever we get so unsettled, we want to put our foot down in the first solid place that comes our way. This is why we settle. Something is chaotic in our life, and we, okay, where is some stability? And we reach for the first thing that gives us any sort of stability, and then we plant our roots there. And God may be saying, no, no, that's not my best, no. 
and we end up blowing right through the warning lights and we say, but this is stable. And this is going to be a word for somebody here this morning. When God tells us no, it's because he has something better for us. But God, this is stable. I can, I can see it. I can touch it. It's, it's available. It's now. And God may be saying no. But our life is chaotic. Without this, I just don't know if I can do that. And it's settling for something less than what God has. Whenever you have this unsettled feeling in your life, let me tell you what it is. Many times, it's an indicator that God wants to do something different in your life. And we see this take place in nature. Whenever God has started something new, there's some sort of turbulence that happens beforehand. And I discovered this firsthand when I was up in Montana. So this is like the Montana series, by the way. Okay, if you didn't know that. Uh, But when I was up in Montana, I went to the very headwaters or the start of the Missouri River. And so I went to go see where the Missouri River started. And so I, re- I was there and I just recorded some. So let me just show you what it looks like in nature at the very start of something different. Let's roll it. So this is where the three rivers come together. Jefferson, Madison, and Gallatin. These are two of them right here to uh, form the Missouri River. So this is the very start of the Missouri. Here I am at the rivers. I say rivers because this is where they come together, at least two of the three. One coming from this direction, one coming from over this direction, and then it creates all of this, all of this turbulence here called confluence. Two of them come together, you'll see some swirling and just, it just looks like a mess right in there. And uh, eventually it straightens out and gains strength and forms the Missouri, which uh, begins to uh, feed most of our country with water and feed all of the crops to be able to feed the world. So this is where it all starts right here. But it looks a little bit messy right here where they all come together. But it's a beautiful mess. It's a beautiful mess, isn't it? See, confluence happens at the start of something that's different. And some of you right now in your life, you're feeling confluence. You're like, what's going on? I'm unsettled. I'm feeling this confluence just stirring around and stirring around. And and here's my question, or just really, it's just a thought. What if this confluence that you're feeling is not a sign that something's wrong. What if it's a sign that something's right? Because again, whenever we have turbulence, we think, oh, something's wrong. I've got to find something stable. And when we do that, as a knee-jerk reaction, we settle. But what if the confluence was not a sign of something wrong, but a sign of something right? Two weeks ago, I preached that a hunger for God leads to revival. Last week, I talked about a hunger for God leads to risk. If you missed it, you have to go watch it. Go back and watch online. Today, what I want to talk about is this, that a hunger for God leads to renewal. 
I'm gonna read it again, Psalm 107, verse 35. He turns a desert into pools of water. How many of you guys know that pools of water and deserts are not the same thing? A pool of water is no longer a desert. A parched land into springs of water, and there he lets the hungry dwell. And they establish a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. Deserts into pools of water. How many of you guys are hungry for more of God? Anybody hungry for more of God? Let me give you a different thought. What if God doesn't want to just do something more in you? What if God wants to do something new in you? What if God doesn't want to just do something more? Because you realize that more of the same isn't always good. The Israelites, when they were wandering in the desert, they didn't need more manna. They tried to store up more manna and it turned bad. Whenever you try to get more of the same, it may not be the best thing. And whenever God wants to do something different in your life, there is confluence that begins to happen. And that confluence does not mean that every time that you have confluence that something is wrong. It could be an indicator that God is getting ready to do something brand new, but not if you settle. Not if you reach for the first thing that's stable and hold on for dear life. Here's what happened to the Israelites when they were set free. An access point in the spirit and in the natural was opened up for them to go into the promised land. For them not to wander in the desert, but for them to actually, they had permission to go into a brand new place. But listen, just because you have access, just because you have opportunity, just because you have uh, an access point to go into God's new for you, it doesn't mean it's going to happen. Why? Because God doesn't force you out of the old. He leads you out of the old. The question isn't whether the, God has someplace new for you or someplace different. The, it, it, he doesn't force you out of the old. He leads you out. The question is, are we following or are we yielding to God's will? That word renew, defined, means this. The replacing of something that's worn out, run down, or broken. Matthew chapter 9 talks about this clearly. Jesus talks about this, about what was happening in the new covenant. And when Jesus was coming, it says in verse 17, Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If you have an old wineskin and you try to put new wine in it, what's going to happen? If it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. Why? Because the wine can't be contained in that because it's new and it's going to have a life, a life to it that the other didn't have. It says, but the new wine is put into fresh wineskins so both are preserved. I've shared this before, but but it's still true, wherever we're at, you can't take old thoughts into a new season. Some of us, God is calling us into a new place, into a deeper place with God. And yet we want to keep the old thoughts and to continue with the old thoughts. You can't take an old way of thinking. It's like trying to put the new into an old wineskin. It just doesn't work. God has new things for us to go into. But, and I was thinking about this and reminded of this story that I've shared in the past, but, or this example, uh, years and years ago now, obviously it's been about 18 years ago now, uh, my son, my oldest, was two years old. We went on a vacation to Colorado, and as we went, we did a lot of fun things. I took him and put him in one of those backpack, those hiking backpacks. How many of you guys have one of those? You have a little kid or something, you put him in the backpack, you know, I'm high, we're hiking up mountains, you know, little guy's having a blast, you know, he's not doing any work, I'm doing all the work. And so we hiked up mountains together, we came back down, and we rented a, a, a boat 
that day. We were in Estes Park on that lake there. For those of you guys who have been out there, we rented a pontoon boat. We were driving around. I put him on my lap. He had this goofy-looking hat on. We got a picture of it. I wish I would have brought it. But I'm sitting there. I'm letting him drive the boat, you know, two years old. He's having a blast, having the time of his life. We're out there driving the boat. Uh, had, had a great time. Went back to the, to the hotel room, and uh, we decided, you know, we're going to jump in the pool. And so the dude is two years old. He can't swim. And so as a good dad, what? I'm going swimming. I put him on my back. I'm carrying him around. We're having a great time. Time to go to eat. So we go to a restaurant. How many of you guys have little kids in the house right now? How many of you guys have kids that it's like they'll only eat pizza or gummy bears? It's like, that's it. That's the only options. And so when you're out on vacation, you don't always have that. And so you go to a restaurant and you're like, what's the closest to pizza and gummy bears? Chicken nuggets. That's all we got. And so you're sitting there with the child for what? It's like, okay, chicken nuggets. You're going to eat your chicken, eat your chicken nuggets, eat your flipping whatever food, you know, uh, those of you guys who are, uh, okay, so um, stay on track, stay on target. (laughs) The spirit of the Lord is still here, trust me. So I'm trying to get him to eat his chicken, chicken whatever, chicken strips or whatever. And then what do you do? You sit there for an hour even at the, like, you're going to eat your food, you know, you're going to eat your food, but then it's like, we got to get back to the hotel, because if we don't get back, he, he's, if we don't get him to bed at like, come on, I know who you guys are, like at 545 in the evening, I mean, it's just, I mean, whew. we were there, we were there too, I get it, so we got to get him back, or he's going to keep us up all night, you know, and so we went back, and, and uh, but we had a great time, had a great time, get in bed early, and had a great time on vacation. And I thought about that. What if I tried to recreate that vacation now that the, the boy's 20 years old? <laughs> Let's go hiking, son. Get one of those big old front wrap things now, you know, just, you know, like, how, how you doing up there, buddy? You know, and we're hiking up the mountain together, you know. It's like, okay, well, let's go rent a boat. Come on, let's go rent a boat. And we're out there. I'm like, well, come on up here, son. Just get on up here. And he's, sitting, he's having a great time, you know. We go back to the pool. He still can't swim. So, you know, I'm, I'm taking him on my back. And, you know, 20-year-old man, grown man now, you know. Go to the restaurant. Come on, Sean, eat the chicken strips. Come on. We better, Becca, we better get him back home. Or he's going to keep us up all night if we don't get him to bed at 6 o'clock. Because we know it's a different season, right? I don't treat my kids the same way because we're not, in a, we're not in that season. Some of us, God wants to move us into new things, and we've continued to treat our life the same way. That was for that season. That was for that season. That, that kind of thinking. Maybe it was like, okay, we, we really need to, uh, to do this with our family for this season. That was a season, but now we've moved into a different season and we're still doing the same thing. Or maybe in your, your service to God, it's like, well, I'm doing this thing, and, and then God wants to nudge you and to, to move you into to some, some deeper things or some newer things or some more or whatever it is. I don't know what it is for you. I talked last week about how there's our part and then there's God's part. Our part is obedience. God's part is the outcome. Too many times we're carrying the outcome as if it's our responsibility. It's not our responsibility. You have a a wayward child or something like that or some situation's out of your control and you've been carrying that outcome like it's your responsibility. It's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is the obedience. God's part is the outcome. Faith is simply trusting God with the outcome. That's what faith is. 
Our part is obedience. So what would be our part? Well, our part is to prepare a new wineskin in our life. Because the old wineskin can't hold what God is getting ready to do. And let me just put it this way. God wants to put something in your life that the old container can't hold. But as long as you hold on to the old container, God won't put it in. Why? Because God loves you. If he puts it in, it's going to burst and there's going to be a mess. And because God won't force you to do it anyway. And can I tell you, this is good news for us today. This is not bad. This is actually really, really good news. Because some of you who are experiencing the confluence right now and you've been reaching for this, I'm telling you, let go of that and say, God, where are you taking me? And we begin to prepare. And how do we begin to prepare? Well, let me, I'm just going to share a couple ways that I believe we begin to prepare. And so it's, it's on the video, so let's watch this. So whenever God had something new that he wanted to do in the past, he always, it seems like he would always show somebody something new. So think about Moses, you got like a, a bush back here and he's seen a bush before, but he rolls up on this bush one day and all of a sudden this bush is like on fire, but it's not being consumed up. It's not being burned up. And God uses this event to start to launch this new season of God and his people. You think about Peter and when God wanted to reach the Gentiles, he shows Peter this vision of like, like meat coming down out of the sky, like bacon. That's the way I look at it. Bacon coming out of the sky. And, and he says, okay, this is not unclean. And so that starts to open up the door for us Gentiles to be able to come to Christ. When I was in Montana, I saw this amazing rainbow. Uh, actually, I saw it a couple times and I saw uh, it actually turned into a double rainbow at one point, which somehow magically changed my life. I don't know how it did it, but, uh, but it was this amazing rainbow. And I was thinking about Noah and I thought, man, what must it have been like after it had been raining for so long? And all of a sudden he sees this rainbow and it was the very first time a rainbow had ever been seen. I mean, it was like the very first time. And God used that as a moment to mark a brand new season. You see, God always uses that type of situation to show us something new. He has to show us something first to do something new. And so uh, when I'm thinking about that, I'm thinking, man, what, what does God want to show us? What does God want to show us that's brand new? And, and we can't make those things happen, but I believe we can put ourselves in a position to be able to see something new because we have to really come to grips with the fact that what we're looking at right now may not be what we're supposed to be seeing. What's in front of us right now, it may feel right, it may look right on the surface, but if God is going to do something new in us, he, it may be something completely different that we need to train our eyes to look at. And so we have to really go back and say, God, what do you want me to see? Because I believe the wineskin that God wants us to have is mainly enlarged or becomes new by what we see and by what we say by what we see and by what we say. And whenever we see and say what God does, then we can go and be and do what God wants. And so I'll ask you a couple quick questions here. Uh, first, if your future were automatically predetermined by the things you're currently looking at, what would it look like? I mean, if it was automatically, would it look like uh, fear or failure? Faith? Would it look like possibilities? Would it look like, like problems? Would it look like uh, comfort? Would it look like your calling? What, what would it look like? Would it look like depression? Would it look like freedom? What would it look like? Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3 talks about how the worlds were framed by the words that God said. Think about that. It, what would happen if your world around you would begin to be formed by the words you're currently saying? 
what would it look like? What kind of world would you begin to have? So we have to look at these things because I believe that what God wants to do in us, it cannot be contained by the old container that we currently have. And, and so what are our possibilities? What are our limits to that? Is it our surroundings? Is it people? Is it our past? Is it our experiences? Is it our hurts? Is it, what is it? No, God is the potential. God is our limit. And that means that anything is possible. And so God wants to do something in us that the old container just can't contain. And so we have to prepare the wineskin for what the, the new thing that God really wants to do. What do you see right now? Do you just see the same old thing going in the same old direction? See, I just want you just to have an expectation and a hope to see something new today. I was thinking about my, my first car. How many of you guys remember what your first car was? Okay, I had a, a Toyota Celica. It was like a 1980-something Toyota Celica. Uh, it was a piece of junk, really. It was, but it was an awesome thing for a teenager, you know? And, and uh, so, I mean, it was, it was like, I mean, it, it really was an interesting piece. And so, um, so I went and I bought, and, it, and as it just it smelled and stuff, too. And so I went and I bought one of those air fresheners that are like the new car scent air fresheners. How you guys know what I'm talking about? It's like you have no business. Like, you're not fooling anybody, okay? You're getting in here. Oh, is this a brand new car? No, it's, it's not. And I don't know why they even sell those things. Uh, but that's the way I picture it. It's like sometimes we just want to patch this new car scent onto what, what's happening in our life. And we want to pretend like we're in the new. That's not, what, that's not what God wants to do. He wants us to be walking in the new today. So I want you just to see that Jesus is the God of the new. He's not the God of, of the yesterday or the God of the used garage sale. No, he's the God of the new. So I'm going to read you just rapid fire a few scriptures as we get ready to wrap up. Luke 7, and he answered them, go and tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight. How many of you guys know that's new, right? That's new for that person. The lame walk, new beginnings. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. Psalm 103, 11 through 12 says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love. Love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. How many of you guys are thankful that whenever we walk in grace, it's walking in new, right? God is the God of the new. Romans chapter 6, verse 4, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in what? Newness of life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 just says it very plainly. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is past, the, behold, the new has come. Revelation 21.5, we know the end of the story even. It says, and he who is seated on the throne, behold, I'm making all things new. All things new. God wants to bring that reality even to the here and now. What if God doesn't want to just do something more in you? What if God wants to do something brand new in you that you've never experienced before? Some of you, maybe you've just been, you've had a very practical relationship with God. And that's great. You've checked all the boxes. If you go back and you gave yourself a grade just based on the externals, it would look like a pretty good scorecard. But if you were here last night and you saw what some of us saw, that God wants to do something not just very practical, but you know what Jesus did when he showed up on the scene? He brought something brand new, didn't he? But he left it with us. 
And some of you guys are like, I, I, I get Jesus on an intellectual level. I get Jesus on a serving level. I get Jesus on a practical level. I get Jesus on a let's, let's share the gospel with our friends, you know, evangelism type level. But you haven't been walking into this other area, walking in the power of God. You've got the form of godliness. It's great, but you don't have the power. So some of you guys, it may be totally different. Maybe you've been in, in that and you, you've been, but God wants to do something at a deep place and he wants you just to sometimes just be silent before him. Some of you guys, you've got a, a, a lack thinking and it's like all you can think about is just poverty thinking and God wants to, to show you that he's a God of abundance. So I don't know what it is for you, but I know that God doesn't just want more of the same for you. What if God wants to do something brand new? I'm gonna have the worship team come back up. We're gonna do something a little different here to close out. When, when the scripture talks about a renewed mind, you know that in, in Romans where it talks about renew your mind? What does that mean? Here's what it means. It doesn't mean like old patchwork on old thinking. It means like a new mind. It means your way of thinking is brand new. And until we're willing to let go of the old, to let go of the familiar to step beyond what we're comfortable with. And again, like I talked about last week, I talked about risk. How many of you guys remember I talked about risk last week? Some of you guys, you're very comfortable with certain areas of risk. But you're totally uncomfortable with other areas of risk. And so when you give yourself a grade on how much you risk for God, you would put yourself very high. But if we were to come and it's not about comparison, but if we were to look and give a holistic look at, at your whole spiritual life, there may be a spike in one area that you're willing to risk it all, but then other areas it's like, nope, I'm staying right here. It may be in an area of your relationships that you got burned in the past. And listen, I could talk to every single person in this room and have a story in some higher degrees than others. But you may be like, you know what? I'm willing to serve God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, but I'm not gonna open up to anybody because I've been there. I've been there. What if God doesn't want that for you? What if he wants something brand new? Here, here's what, here's what require, required of you. I just pictured this, this trapeze for some odd reason and somebody like swinging on it and then like letting go as the other one's coming and then they grab onto that other one. See, what, what happens sometimes when we go from the old to the new is if we hang on to the old, we just won't quite reach the new. But if we let go of the old, we haven't taken hold of the new quite yet. How you guys know that space in between is the scary place, isn't it? <laughs> but I'm telling you, that space in between is really the place called faith. It's like where I'm willing to let go of the old, and I haven't quite got the new yet, but I'm going to trust God until I get the new. For some of you guys, the new will immediately come. But I'm just giving you a little warning. For others of you guys, you're gonna be set free this morning by this revelation that God wants to do something new and you're gonna have a victory in your life, but your battle's gonna come after your victory because you're gonna have a victory this morning, but then you're gonna be like, but where's the new? And you just hang on steadfast because I'm telling you, God is it's coming. It's coming your way. So what I, I just saw us doing is... Uh, I just saw Pastor Aaron coming down here and just sitting down as we just sing this last song. And we're just going to remain in our seats. We're just going to, some of you guys are probably just going to just kind of close your eyes and focus in. And we're just going to allow the Holy Spirit to just speak to us just during this time. He might show us something. 
He might speak to us. He might confirm something in us or convict us of something. But as we, as we do this, it's really, just, it's really just an act of faith to let go of one thing and to, to reach out towards the new. Isaiah chapter 43. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? This is our job to perceive it. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Again, some of you guys feel like you're in that desert. You feel like maybe even you're in the swirling confluence. Let me just bring encouragement to you this morning. What if that unsettled feeling you have is not a sign of something wrong? What if it's a sign of something right? What if God is starting something brand new? What if God is starting a brand new season in you? Brand new season of flourishing in your ministry, in your business, in your relationships, in your marriage, in your family. Don't settle. Don't settle for the first place that your foot can step. Be willing to ride that out and say, God, I'm gonna live by faith in the in-between. I'm gonna live by faith in the in-between and I'm just gonna see what you're gonna do. So right now, God, we put ourselves in a posture of just surrender and humility before you. and We just sit here before you, God. Speak to us during this time. Show us things. Heal hearts. Set people free. Bring revelation. Bring a new hunger. Help us to see something different so we can say something different, so we can be something different. Do the work that only you can do right now, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.